Hello, welcome to Europe now and welcome to Greece. It is summer 2021, the sun is shining, airports reopening, beaches and bars beckoning and this country is very keen to fill them all with international holidaymakers. Greece is the European country that relies the most heavily on tourism for its national wealth. In non-COVID times, about one-fifth of Greek GDP is generated by tourism and around one in six workers are employed in the sector. All that, though, turned on its head by the pandemic. Well, I'm here in Greece so with my team as the country starts its grand reopening to the world. This, though, in a country that has, of course, seen 10 years of austerity and financial crises and which still finds itself very much on the front lines of the European Union's irregular migration situation. In the programme, we're going to be travelling from south to north, from the mainland to the islands to explore these and other issues. First, though, let's get a point of view on what COVID has done to Greek businesses. Since the 14th of May, essentially, we've opened our doors uh, for the uh, tourist trade. But uh, because of the vaccination complications and the green certificate, uh, we have very few, if any, tourists during this period. We are cautiously hopeful that from the 1st of July, July and August should be good months, very good months for the Greek uh, tourist trade. If, however, we have a repetition of 2020 or even worse uh, than last year, it would be absolutely disastrous, not just for the tourist trade, but for the economy as a whole. There's a tremendous fear at the moment that uh, we will have um, a large number of business victims in the coming months. I don't think we will see it in the summer period, but immediately after the end of the tourist season, towards the end of September, beginning of October, we expect to see uh, quite a few bankruptcies. What we need from the EU is first of all to speed up the vaccination process uh, so that uh, we can reach the immunity level uh, that we require in order to be able to move more freely. And more importantly, we have to be more serious as far as the recovery plan is concerned because so far what we've seen is an approval uh, of 750 billion euros when across the Atlantic throughout this period uh, not only have they agreed on a colossal amount, 11.3 trillion dollars, but they have already dispersed this amount. Here in Europe, we're still waiting for the first down payment. Well, let's zone in now on that all-important tourism sector. In the year 2019, Greece had a record number of visitors, more than 30 million, but the pandemic slashed that to just about 7 million in 2020. For the upcoming summer season, the Greek government had been pinning its hopes on so-called COVID-free islands. Our reporter Luke Brown has set sail to find out more. Destination Nizeros, a COVID-free island. Dotted across the Aegean Sea, Greek islands like these are a testing ground for tourism post-pandemic. Nizeros relies on a steady stream of day-trippers, 120,000 people usually visit the island each year. Their return is crucial for local businesses. The island depends on tourism. We're happy the tourists are back and we hope it will be fine. 
The more vaccinations there are, the better it is for Greece, because I think we can all benefit if tourists think that Greece is COVID-free. A fresh lick of paint to welcome the new arrivals. Tourism makes up over 80% of the local economy. The COVID-free designation comes after a catastrophic 12 months. See, both psychologically and economically, both of them. Psychologically because you feel free and economically because people can come here and, and, and uh, visit the island and, <laughs> and go eat and visit and spend their money and stay. Thanks to its splendid isolation, Nizaros was spared the worst of the pandemic. Last year, only two COVID-19 cases were recorded here, both foreign tourists. To safeguard the population of under 1,000 permanent residents, over 70% of adults have been fully vaccinated. At the local doctor's surgery, no more jabs are required. I was telling the residents that they were lucky to be offered the chance to get vaccinated that soon. We should make good use of that, and in Nisiros we did. And that's why I'm telling you that I think we're ready. We're ready. We did the best we could. The Greek government has prioritised the vaccination drive on the islands, part of the programme dubbed Blue Freedom, to boost the economy. Kos is Greece's fourth most popular destination. Here, the vaccination continues apace. The EU wants its planned COVID passport to facilitate travel from July 1st. The local medical association says COS is ready. It's not a risk because it's still a question of individual responsibility. Between the progress with the vaccine as well as ensuring people respecting shielding measures, I believe we're in a very good position to say that reopening for tourism does not constitute a risk. But the sector remains vulnerable. Kos is popular with countries outside the EU, especially British tourists. The UK's decision to keep Greece on its amber travel list could have a major impact. The decision by the English is a really backward step regarding the number of arrivals. But we hope that infections reach a level where we can welcome everyone from around the world. Visitor numbers nationwide fell 26 million last year, costing the Greek economy 14 billion euros. But some see an opportunity to rebalance the tourism sector. To benefit from the EU's recovery plan, Greek tourism has to become more sustainable, upgrading infrastructure and promoting less visited areas. In the post-COVID world, the motor of the recovery will be tourism. But it's not quantity that counts, it's quality. We need to focus on higher quality tourism, that's the big gamble for us, to have a real exchange between local communities and tourism, which can benefit both sides. Through the decade of austerity, tourism was a lone buttress for the Greek economy, employing hundreds of thousands of people. Now, once again, it will have to show the way towards a brighter future on the horizon. For the first stop on our trip, we've come to Greece's second city, Thessaloniki. Back in Roman times, this was the second most important city in the Byzantine Empire. Today, it's a major destination and hub for international visitors. We're here to meet our first political guest. First, though, let's ask some Greeks how they feel as their government flings open Greece's doors to foreign travellers once again. I really want to go out a lot, but I also want to be careful. It will help the economy to grow, but we also have to keep... Uh to be cautious. Uh, we can stand uh, and sit for a coffee uh, without uh, anxiety because uh, all the time police uh, were, were outside and uh, check us. Excited and a little bit scared at the same time because 
as I said, we need to be careful. It's like going back to real life again, yeah. But it's a bit of a strange because, you know, people are going out too soon, too fast. That's the thing, without any precautions, without any masks on, and that's the thing that worries me a bit. I'm feeling the freedom, uh, well, it's okay. Happy to be back again and safe, first of all. The next year will be better. This 12th century landmark, the White Tower, is one of Thessaloniki's many tourist sites and where we've come to meet our first guest. Hello, welcome to Thessaloniki. My name is Maria Spiraki. I am a member of the European Parliament and also a member of the European People's Party and Nea Demokratia, which is in power here in Greece. It is a great moment because you can understand we are now in fully fledged of the operation of freedom. Greece is going to be one of the biggest recipients from the European Covid Recovery Fund. What is that money for? We are focusing on two sectors. The first one is the green and the second is the digital. And of course, uh, we are securing money for reskilling and upskilling our people because the demand of the new jobs needs new skills and upskilling people. We are now trying to, to, to have a renovation wave which can provide not only energy efficiency to the oldest building, but also better quality of the air and better quality of the environment. And it will be a quick win to the local people, it will be a quick win to the local SMEs for providing the, the materials and also for the local technicians. And the second one that I would like to say, Greece has decided to have a, a, a zero ignite energy mix by 2028. It is a significant step forward, allow me to say it is faster than Germany. And of course, we are, we are trying to create an environment which will be very attractive to the investors in terms of renewables. Greece's own finance minister has admitted that in the past, Greece has had a problem with absorbing efficiently EU funds. Uh, why would it be different this time? Because we don't have enough time and we have to speed up. The government is ready to, to proceed with specific structures in order to speed up with the absorption of the funds. Well, we're going to take a look now at an issue that's, of course, been huge here in Greece for several years, irregular migration. Now, the European Union has a new migration plan. It's also building some new migrant reception centres on some Greek islands at a cost of 250 million euros. Our reporter, Luke Brown, has been to see for himself. On the island of Kos, the new reception and identification centre for migrants and asylum seekers is rapidly taking shape. Set to open in the autumn, it has food halls, sports grounds and dedicated family sleeping quarters. And it will also more than double capacity to 3,500 people. What we are building here is better living conditions, both for the local population and the people who live here. Before, this whole space was filled with tents and the people lived in really terrible conditions. It's no holiday camp. The Greek authorities want to keep the migrants inside as much as possible. X-rays and fingerprint scanners will control every single entry and exit, and a six-metre-wide guarded road will run around the whole camp. This is a controlled area, not a closed area. It's controlled to allow us to keep an eye on who is legally living on the site and prevent infringements. The Kos camp is one of five being built across the Greek islands, entirely funded by the EU and costing 250 million euros. Last year, the flow of migrants to Greece fell 90% to just 6,000. But the EU still believes these camps are necessary for the long term. No one knows when there will be a change in the numbers, how many people there will be, 
whether there will be more than the current situation. The main idea is to ensure that we have enough capacity to not have to scramble to find a solution. Few migrants want to stay in Kos, most are determined to reach mainland Europe. The UN estimates there are 170,000 refugees and asylum seekers in Greece. Many end up in Athens. Kashid arrived three years ago from Iran. She doesn't want to use her real name for fear it damages her case. When her asylum claim was accepted, she was supposed to leave her sponsored accommodation. Last year, the grace period to find a new flat was cut from six months to 30 days. The first step, they call me and they start threatening me that we, we're going to block your travel documents, you have to leave the house and it's not anymore for you. You've been resisting staying in this flat as a single mother with two kids for three years. The UN's refugee agency handed over responsibility for housing asylum seekers to Greece in January. Its 91 million euro budget, funded by the EU, is supposed to increase accommodation capacity. But for Kurshid, the situation in Europe is increasingly hostile. What is this international protection meant to be? To throw me to the street? To block my food? To make me in such a travel situation that I have to survive? I'm not here to survive. I came and I took my life for a better life. You know, this was my goal with my kids. Like, it's too much. It's too much. Too much of pressure, too much of mental damages, too much of surviving. We are not here for, for that, you know? And this is not international protection. The Greek government says there are 56,000 migrants in accommodation facilities. That's down a third on last year. Despite her recognized refugee status, after three years in Athens, Kashid can't move on until she receives her travel documents. Faced with eviction from her home, for now she and many others are trapped in limbo in Greece. from Luke Brown. Now you can see we've put our masks back on because uh, we're in a much more public place here. We're still with Maria Spiraki. We're going to take a walk here along Thessaloniki's uh, waterfront. Um, that report we just saw was about irregular migration. As we heard, the European Union has a new plan on migration. Are you confident that this will improve the situation for Greece? Indeed. Well, uh, we need the European solidarity in practice and I think that uh, this kind of plant needs some kind of amendments in order to fit for, for this purpose. It is important for all of us to understand that it's not something for Greece, it is not a, a Greek problem, it is not an Italian problem, it is not a Maltese problem. It is a European problem which needs to talk. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president, he did uh, come good on his, his threat to open the doors, so to speak, to uh, Europe for irregular migrants. Do you believe that this EU-Turkey deal has a future? Yes, provided that Turkey will stick to, to her words. During 2020, you, we face a huge crisis concerning uh, migrants when Turkey decides to weaponize desperate people and to send them directly to the Greek borders, which are the European borders with Turkey. The European Union has demonstrated solidarity by, by the visit of the, of the presidents of the three institutions here in Greece. But it's not only the symbol, it is the practice that we need, and we need solidarity in practice, and we need to put some further pressures to Turkey in order to keep its promise. 
In terms of what's actually happening on the borders, there have been allegations uh, that there have been uh, rights contraventions by border guards from Greece, from the Frontex agency. Things aren't totally clear. Would you welcome investigation into this? I have already said that Greece is a European country which is respecting the rule of law. And we are implementing the rule of law in every and each way. As far as I know, the allegations, they have no basis. Well, as Athens disappears off into the background there behind me, this is where we're heading next. It's the holiday island of Aegina. That's where we'll meet you for part two of the programme in a couple of minutes' time. <laughs>